it's almost like when you have a health issue and you go on the internet and <laughs> look those up. I mean, it's, it's like the worst thing you could probably do. But if a strategy was that bad, it would just go away. Welcome to the Perfect Game Retirement Podcast with former professional baseball player and now financial coach at Black Oak Asset Management, Ryan Ledman. This show will help you make the right financial decisions so you can pitch a perfect game in retirement. Here's the windup and the delivery. Glad to have you back on Perfect Game Retirement. I am Ben George alongside Ryan Ledden, President and Financial Coach at Black Oak Asset Management. Today we're talking about critical retirement planning mistakes. These are some common mistakes that we see people make time and time again by both retirees and pre-retirees. So we want to make sure you're not making those same mistakes as you progress closer to retirement and then into retirement. So we're going to lay them out. We got five total mistakes that we want to address today. We'll have Ryan kind of walk us through them, explain why these are mistakes and why people are making what you can do to avoid doing that. So let me welcome in Ryan. And just a reminder, they're recording this episode in the month of May. So if you're listening in June or beyond, just know that some things might have changed uh, by that time. So just keep that in mind as we move along in this episode. I know you guys were still in the middle of this kind of quarantine, but Georgia's kind of opened things back up. How's how's the state been? And has it kind of changed your your workflow day to day? It has a little bit. Uh, we are actually going to open our offices as the recording of the show. Um, we are going to open our offices on Monday, the 18th, I believe is the date. So uh, pretty excited about that. I do kind of a internal show, I guess, if you will, with just clients that I do have. It's basically a video email, but it's communication and let people know that we were going to open up on May the 18th and got good responses. So I'm excited. I got in-person meetings next week. Obviously, we'll follow the uh, the state protocols of, of still being conscious of uh, distancing, and but we have a large conference room. And so that's, you know, staying far apart is, is not a big deal. But, you know, the past couple of weeks has been awesome. I got my haircut, uh, <laughs> my gym opened back up, and, you know, there's still still abiding by certain certain rules and regulations right. but it's it's awesome so it's a little bit of normalcy we even went to Chick-fil-A the other night with some friends of ours and picked up dinner and it was slam packed now not inside but yeah. drive through in the in the uh, car line was was slam packed and even the traffic on one of the highways that's near where we live it was actually a lot of cars so anyway huh. it was kind of neat <laughs> yeah well you're probably not going to look forward to that traffic again around atlanta <laughs> you probably you probably got used to not having that as much uh, that's probably i know difference. right I'll, I'll miss it for a week and then yeah exactly i wish it would go away again <laughs> <laughs> well i guess you guys will probably continue to do the videos right for uh, for clients and prospects that you've been doing kind of during this last couple of months Sure. Yeah, we'll definitely do that. And then when we tell people we're going to be open uh, for business, so to speak, it's, you know, it's only for those people who who want to, and you just get a, a wide variety of opinions on that. So we don't want to force people to come in. So obviously, yeah, we still do just the conference calls and, and Zoom meetings and things like that. But if people are raring to go and, and kind of, I don't know if you will disagree with kind of the restrictions that have been put on, but some people are rare to go. So it's, it's been nice to get that kind of feedback. And, you know, we tell people, Hey, we don't have to shake hands. It's optional, but Hey, we got hand sanitizer and, and we can wash our hands and be conscious of that. So I think as long as we're responsible with it right. and, and our clients are responsible with it, I, I have no problem with it. I think it's fine. Yeah. Well, make sure you log on blackoakam.com. That's where you can find, uh, 
the tax time bomb toolkit that they'll send out to you. And that also will give you access to some of the stuff that Ryan's doing video wise too, if you want to be included in that to kind of stay updated on what the market's doing and just kind of some changes that are happening as, as we continue to kind of go through this turbulent time uh, across the country. So it's good to have that, that resource there in your inbox if needed. So check them out, blackoakam.com. And you can also call the office if you're ready to get back out and meet in person, 470-508-0508. Now, I got to thinking too, Ryan, because you know during these times, there's always so much negative news and stuff. But you know, when you have these these health crises and some of the darker times, it always we always see humanity kind of rise up and people going out of their way to help others out and to give back and to support local businesses. It's got me thinking, are there any charities or, or nonprofits that, that are close to you that you care about a lot? Yeah, that's great. Uh, great question. So yeah, there's a, f- a few. Uh, my family, we, we try to be very uh, conscious on our, our giving, uh, whether it's um, time or or talents or treasures, whatever it may be. Uh, so w- with with young kids and and two working parents, time is is a little bit more difficult. Now we still volunteer at our church and lead small groups, which is awesome. But that's at a limited basis right now as well. So our church is is Browns Bridge uh, off four hundred up and coming, and you know we're still trying to engage with people as much as possible. But again, it's still different when it's it's over uh, over a laptop or over a computer. So we're doing some videos uh, video meetings like that, but you know, there's there's a couple particular. So I just mentioned Browns Bridge. So we we definitely uh, support our church there with our time and, and our tithes. But also uh, there's an organization called uh, NG3. NG stands for Next Generation, and it's an organization. So full disclosure, I'm on the board uh, of NG3, but it's it's something that's been close to my heart for a long period of time. It goes back to the days when I was teaching and coaching in high school where I saw this group uh, pour into these high school athletes. And so literally it's a person on campus almost every single day they're at practice. So it's not like some people say, oh, it's like a team chaplain. Well, it, yes and no. I mean, they're there every single day and it's, you know, we got to be careful at public schools, separation, church and state. So we definitely do that. But if they want to meet in a smaller group off campus, they call those those huddle groups. And where they dive into um, their faith and, and the word. But so NG3, we got guys all over uh, Atlanta that are at schools and we have them in different states. We have them in North Carolina now, Pennsylvania, Indiana. Gosh, I mean, we, it, it's all started at one high school where I was at at Brookwood High School in the greater Atlanta area. And it's just blossomed from there. So Matt Williams is the is the president. He's a dear friend of mine. And he, he just had this vision and I still remember him doodling the vision and the emblem on the on a napkin at a, uh, at a, a coach's convention that we were at. Of course, he wasn't paying attention to anything that the coaches were talking about, but <laughs> he was there in support of us. But long story short, it's just blossomed and grown and it's been a cool thing to, to be a part of. And one other one I kind of want to give a, a plug to is FCA, which is a similar yeah. but different type uh, nonprofit, but uh, there's one specific. It's it's FCA Golf, and it's in the Athens area where University of Georgia is. But uh, the gentleman's name is Bill Dando, and he's kind of like my spiritual mentor. So I want to kind of give him a plug, but we support him as well in the in the ministry that those those individuals and those groups uh, do. Very cool. Yeah, I mean, I was I worked with the FCA a little bit when I was you know growing up in high school as well, and and being a part of that great organization for sure. So uh, check those out. We'll maybe try to share a link in the show notes as well, but uh, you know, take a look at those and 
it's always great to get back. And I know that's uh, something that, that, a, that a lot of people try to do, especially in times like this. So very important thing. Well, let's move into uh, our main topic today and, and talk about critical retirement planning mistakes, because these are some mistakes that we commonly see. I know you see quite a bit with, with prospects and with clients that you try to work with them on. I'm going to run through this list of five different ones. I want you to kind of explain what the mistake is and, and maybe how to avoid these things as we move forward. So let's start off with this first one. And, and I think this is one that people really may be considering right now. And that's moving into bonds. And a lot of times people do that because they feel like it's a safer investment. Yeah, that's I hear that quite a bit. And a lot of these answers are going to say it, it depends. And it does depend on the type of bond or whether it's an individual bond or a bond mutual fund or a muni, what they call a municipal bond. So there's a huge wide variety and they all have different in they call it investment grades. And so obviously the lower the grade, the riskier it is. Yeah, you can maybe get a higher yield or a higher return out of it, but you're going to take on a lot more risk when that is involved. So when, when it comes to bonds and safety, about the, the most safe bonds you can get are government issued, whether that's a short term, you know, a 10 year, a 30 year, they, they range greatly on the time frame and obviously the longer you kind of tie your money up if you will in a bond the greater the rate the yield that you'll get out of it now i say that kind of half-heartedly because right now a 10-year treasury bond is as of close of business yesterday it was 0.61 so you tie your money up for 10 years and you get 0.61 back per year and then you get your ten thousand dollars back at the end of that duration. So inflation is going to chew that up. And, and so you're almost getting a negative yield when it, when it all shapes out. But so I'm not saying bonds are bad. They do serve a purpose, especially right now when people, if they have a certain portfolio mix, those bonds right now, obviously, especially the government issued ones aren't getting beat up as bad. Uh, obviously, the yield has gone down significantly. I think at the beginning of the year, a 10-year treasury was right at 2%, maybe just below 2%. So you see how far it has come down. But they do serve a purpose sometimes in a portfolio because so they haven't taken a hit as much. So it allows you to maybe sell off some of those bonds and buy some of your equities or your stock market-based investments while they're down. So that's where the whole rebalancing thing comes into play. And I know we talked about rebalancing on previous episodes. So they can serve a purpose, um, but sometimes just blanketly saying they're less volatile, that's that's not 100% true because with interest rates, it's kind of a seesaw. So as interest rates tick up, and they eventually will tick up, I don't know if they'll tick up anytime soon, but if interest rates tick up, bond prices go down. So it's always the exact opposite of one another. So just saying they're safe is not 100% accurate. It depends on the grade of the bond and uh, you know who's issuing it. And obviously, it's going to be sensitive to interest rates and inflation as well. Well, the second one, you know, you would think somebody that maybe is a little more conservative would maybe protect themselves long term like they would do with maybe with bonds as they think they, they are becoming more safe. But long term care needs seem to be kind of a big issue. And a lot of times I think people just kind of see the price on it and it can be expensive and they convince themselves, hey, I, you know, I'm going to be OK. I don't, I don't really need this. At least I don't need it now. Maybe I'll address it down the road. But if you don't take care of that, you know, even if it's not getting that long-term care insurance, at least having a plan to take care of that, that can really be detrimental to your your retirement. 
Yeah, I mean, there's always a few wild cards when it comes to retirement planning and healthcare needs is it, especially when you focus on long-term care needs. I have a very dear friend that I used to play baseball with, and he's in this line of work, and they can't build these facilities fast enough. Uh, so it is an issue. Uh, it does need to be addressed, like you just mentioned, Ben. It's It's got to be part of the plan, and that does not mean it's so funny when we when I talk about long-term care needs with my clients, most people, their brain is wired to immediately think about a long-term care policy. Well, that's not what I said. It's like, let's address this long-term care needs because there's a really good chance, especially if a, a married couple is both healthy and they're in their 60s. I, I mean, the stats change all the time, but there is a greater than 60% chance that one of them is going to need it somewhere in their in their lives. And so, that's a pretty dang good percentage that, okay, we need to factor that in. So maybe it is a long-term care policy. Now those have gotten, like you said, more expensive. Um, the underwriting is crazy uh, hard to get a policy now. It's much more difficult than uh, getting a life insurance policy. So the underwriting has changed a great deal. I mean, when I first got into this business, it was like a two-page app front and back, and they just asked a few medical questions, and then that was it. Well, not anymore. Um, I mean, they they want a pyramid. They want a whole bunch of different things that you have to go through uh, to to even get one. So, uh, but it's still it could be a solution. And, and some people use the oh, I'm just going to self insure. Okay, well maybe, but but how are we going about doing that? Are we are we setting a separate account apart and just saying hey, this is for our long term care needs? You know, Medicare is not going to cover that. I still have people saying, why well, Medicare? Uh, that's not going to really cover it. It may cover a little bit in the first 30 days, but after that, you're kind of on your own. But so costs can be shocking enough for people to 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 do something, whether that is a long-term care policy. Insurance companies have gotten kind of creative. They've created life insurance policies that are kind of hybrids uh, that will not probably cover the entire cost of long-term care needs, but maybe it could help out with the cost a little bit. And also annuities have offered features like that as well, where they have kind of an income doubler, if you will, if you meet certain specifications. So whatever income you were taking and then you need long-term care needs, that income will double for three to five years, depending on the company and the product. So they, they've made modifications to it because long-term care is just very difficult to, to get now. But usually what what makes people act on this point is if they had a personal experience, if they saw firsthand where they had to take care of someone or, and, and I saw it, I saw it with my mom who's, who's now passed away, but she, she suffered with cancer for a long period of time. And I saw my dad having to take care of her and work. And I just saw it just wears you completely out. So imagine he was in his 50s when he was doing that. Imagine doing that in your 80s and 90s. So it's just a very difficult thing. So most people act on this if they have a personal experience, but just ignoring it is not a solution. Yeah, absolutely not. The next one, I think, uh, you know, when you talk about planning for retirement, a lot of it is is protecting yourself from, you know, losses, right? I mean, you, you, you're building this nest egg and you're saving and you're investing and you don't want to get to the point where you're getting close to retirement and the market crash, and then you follow that market draw loss and, and, and it wrecks your entire plan. And I think a lot of people got comfortable with since, you know, 2008, we kind of, we, that was really driven home, protect yourself, protect yourself. But after 10 years, you know, you kind of forget those lessons you learn. You maybe start loosening up your, your risk tolerance a little bit. And now we have this reminder, you know, the coronavirus, Hey, 
you have to protect against market decline. Yeah, it's it's funny how quickly we we forget those things. Like you just mentioned, two thousand eight, two thousand nine, and we've kind of had a, a a pretty much a bull market with a few hiccups here and there along the way since then. But it's it's easy how forgetful we we can be when it comes to to situations like this. And you're right, we were riding a very high wave, if you will, before two thousand eight happened. And so if you adjusted your portfolio back then, it's kind of like, well, why are you doing that? We're doing so well. But again, hindsight's twenty twenty. Same thing with this previous bull market. Now this one's this correction is completely different. I'm not even want to compare uh, the two time periods because 08 and 09 was more of a house of cards. And this was obviously a virus that just pumped the brakes uh, instantaneously. So that's why I feel like we're going to recover quicker. Uh, than we did in 2008 and 2009. I'm not, I'm not saying there's not pain going on right now, but constantly looking at and rebalancing. I, I mentioned that word again, rebalancing. And I don't think that that's not like a, a new term or a buzzword anymore. I think most people kind of know the concept of rebalancing, making sure your portfolio is where it should be. So if you did not do that at the end of 2019 and just said, hey, let's just keep riding this wave like we did in 06, 07, then it kind of comes up and bites you in the rear end if you don't have that portfolio back to where it was. But also now it, there's another good opportunity to rebalance again because your stock market investments are going to be really low. So whatever your safer investments are or ones that have not been affected as much, here's where rebalancing can really can really benefit you and get you back to where where you were before. So, you know, using a bucketing approach too, and I mentioned that before, a bucketing approach is where you, you go over with your clients and say, okay, these investments over here are where our income is going to come from on the short term, you know, our one to five year. These investments over here are six through 10, 11 through 15, and 15 plus. So once we educate our clients and say, hey, these ones way over here that are for the 11 to 15 plus years, okay, they're going to they're gonna ping pong around. So right now they're probably getting beat up pretty good, but we're not taking anything from those. So that's where how you take your money out is is so important when you get to retirement. It's almost reverse engineering while you're putting money away versus when you start taking money out. So just having an approach and a plan on how you're taking that money out when there is downtimes or in 2019 when there's a huge uptick in the market, okay, let's pull our investments from there. So having a plan and a strategy, not just hey, send me $5,000 a month out of here. You need to know where that's coming from because it'll make your portfolio last a good bit longer. Well, as we talk about critical retirement planning mistakes, the fourth one on our list, I think, is maybe something that we kind of all deal with kind of in a in our daily lives in general now. It seems like either you're on one side or the other. There's very, very little middle ground right now, it seems like. And that's that can also be the case with financial planning. You can always, you might assume that financial tool A is great, while financial tool B or the investment B is bad. But, you know, the, the truth is what might be good for you might be bad for others and vice versa. Yeah, I love this point. This is one of the ones I'm more passionate about. Uh, I, I completely, the whole good or bad thing, it drives me bananas. So, you know, you may recommend a strategy and because it may have a buzzword that has a negative connotation to it, people want to look it up and say, oh, I'll look this up and this stock is bad or this strategy, annuity or life insurance or whatever it may be. Oh, I read this and it's bad. So it's almost like 
when you have a health issue and you go on the internet and <laughs> look those up. I mean, it's, it's like the worst thing you could probably do. But if a strategy was that bad, it would just go away. I mean, we, we live in a market-based economy, uh, at least for the most part, <laughs> a market-based economy that no one's making you do anything. So if you go over a strategy, you need to know the pros and cons of every strategy. And everyone, every strategy has a pro and a con. You just have to weigh that list of, okay, this is what I want out of it. I realize I'm giving up this to achieve this. It's just like our goals too. I mean, you may have five or 10 different retirement goals and some of those are going to suffer a little bit. It's very difficult to accomplish all 10 of those. So we need to focus on a, a, a certain things that are going to get us where we want to and then we can move down the list of those things. But so having a bad, there's not a bad strategy. There's certain ones that are a fit. So I do love that terminology. Is it a fit or is it not? So what's a fit for this couple may be completely different for a, another couple. So that's why we just need to go through and we like to let our clients or the people that we're meeting with who aren't clients, let them know every single strategy that we can do because we're comprehensive advisors. So there's from a licensing and, and there's nothing we can't do uh, or offer our clients. It's just what do they do they want to do and what are they willing to give up? Because there's an opportunity cost for everything. But having a bad financial product out there, I mean, maybe there's some that aren't as favorable that I probably wholeheartedly disagree with out there. And that's a conversation for another day. But <laughs> you still need to, to present the option and say, hey, here's what this does. Do we like it or not? So that's why when we design plans for people, it's co-design. Now, I've, I, I realize I'm the expert, if you will, on different strategies, but it's co-design. So it's it's designed together, not just, hey, give me your statements. Here's what you should do. Take it or leave it. It's It's got to be co-design. And that's where you take out the good or bad. It's just if it's a fit or not. Yeah. And all these things tie into our final point. And that's people make mistake by not having a plan in general. I mean, each one of these things plays a part in the plan and you need to have a plan for every decision you make. But more times than not, I mean, people think they can go about their, their retirement planning without really having a process in place. Yeah. Plan is the number one. I mean, it's the number one thing people have to have in really any stage, but definitely when you get to, to retirement or just leading into it. But if you don't have a plan, that's where stress and worry and concern can really come up during a time like we're in right now. So if you don't have a plan for a downturn, because there's going to be downturns and we talk about this on the live webinars that we do every single week. I'm not saying it's going to be a virus that's going to be the next thing that that hurts our economy, but there is something. It, it, that's how market economies work. There's going to be corrections in how we go about planning for those things is is huge for a, a plan. So when, when you have a plan in place, whether it's, again, early on during retirement or even a legacy plan of different phases that you're in, you have to have a, a plan and stick to it. But it, all, it always needs tweaking and adjusting. And one great example right now, a big tweak that we're doing with a lot of people is people's income. So if people are taking distributions out of their retirement accounts, then you know, with this quarantine, if you will, people aren't spending as much money for the most part. They're not going out to eat. They're not traveling. And so that's what we're educating our clients saying, hey, if, if we can, you know, take 
70% of what we were doing before, hey, this is going to help your portfolio last even longer. So if you can make tweaks and adjustments like that, and then vice versa, when the market does really well, hey, carve off some of those gains and profits and go on a vacation or do something that you've been wanting to do. So it's constantly tweaking and it's constant monitoring, but without a plan, the stress levels definitely go up. Yeah, no question. Well, the five critical planning mistakes we covered today, considering bonds to be a safe investment, not protecting yourself against long-term care needs, not guarding against market decline, assuming that one particular financial tool is always good or always bad, and then finally not having a plan. All great information. But I want to wrap up today's show before we get out of here with a mailbag question. It's time for the mailbag. We want to hear from you. I want to remind you, you can always send in any questions you have on any financial uh, topics you are thinking about or curious about to Ryan and his team at Black Oak Asset Management. You can find them online at blackoakam.com. And today's question comes in from Beverly in Roswell. And she asks, uh, Ryan, I counted up the mutual funds in my IRA and it appears that I have 33 different funds. Is that adequate diversification? Well, here's that term again. It depends. Uh, 33 funds. That's that's a lot. Uh, so that doesn't mean that Beverly is not properly diversified, but just because you have a bunch of funds doesn't mean you are adequately diversified in her in her terminology. So it all depends on how you peel back the onion or the layers of these mutual funds, because a lot of them could be the exact same thing. You could have six funds that are following the S&P 500 and it looks like you got a whole bunch of different ones. Well, you just have mirror images of one another. So more times than not, I mean, cause that's a lot of funds. And you know, when you, when you spread it out over different asset classes, you really don't need that many funds to accomplish proper diversification. So I'm not saying she's poorly diversified, but I really have a, a strong inclination that there is a huge amount of overlap. And when you have overlap, that's just another term for basically saying you have the same funds over and over and over and over again. All that does is it increases your volatility or it increases your risk. And so it may look like you're diversified, but you may, I would imagine she probably is not. So you can accomplish a diversification thing with a whole lot less mutual funds. So I've seen this from time to time. And it's usually, it can be cleaned up, if you will. Um, and obviously with all the analytical tools that, that we have or that are out there, you can really shrink the amount of funds that you do have and still accomplish uh, what you're trying to accomplish from a diversification standpoint. So if that answers your question, Beverly, I appreciate you sending that in to us here on Perfect Game Retirement. That'll wrap it up for this, uh, for this episode, Ryan. I think anybody that really is curious about their planning process, or if anybody heard maybe a mistake that they, they think they've been making, I guess you'd encourage them, right, to reach out to you, set up a time to come in, and, and you'll help work, walk them through that process and figure out maybe where their issues are. Absolutely. I mean, it's usually a, a three-step process. I mean, usually the first meeting is is kind of just hearing people's situation. And we always tell people the first first time we meet with them, don't bring any statements, don't bring anything, just bring yourselves and we have a conversation. And then from there, we find out about them. They find out about us. So we talk about the next steps. And if people want to move forward uh, on that second meeting, great. The second meeting is where we co-design that plan. And then the third meeting, if they want to move forward from there, is the is the implementation process. So a pretty clean and easy three-step process. But you know, just because we have a first meeting doesn't mean we go to the second. Uh, it's just got to be a fit for, for both sides of, uh, of the table or the equation. But 
yeah, just getting something in place, whether it's with us or someone else, I think is a is a great idea. And obviously, it's a biased opinion, but I do think having a, a an objective plan or viewpoint is is huge again, especially right now. Well, just a reminder that you can get in contact with Ryan, blackoakam.com. You can schedule your Retirement Coach 360 session online there. There's also a place that you can access his toolkit. That also gets you in the mix for his uh, his webinars he's doing every single week. But you can also call the office as well as everybody's kind of getting back to business in Georgia, 470-508-0508 is the number to call. So Ryan, appreciate the time today. A uh, good discussion. Hopefully maybe opened a couple of people's eyes to some mistakes that are very common. I mean, these are things that everybody's doing, but you can make a change by taking that next step and putting a plan in place. Absolutely. Yeah. Do something. Don't, don't put your head in the sand, if you will. Do, do something uh, to put a plan in place. Well, thanks for listening to this episode of Perfect Game Retirement. You can listen to every episode archived right there on the website at blackoakam.com. And please subscribe wherever it is you listen to podcasts. And we'll talk to you on the next episode. The Perfect Game Retirement Podcast is brought to you by Black Oak Asset Management, serving the greater Atlanta area with offices in Alpharetta, Cartersville, and Macon. The show is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe to the show on your favorite app today and never miss an episode. Just search for Perfect Game Retirement to find us. You can also visit blackoakam.com to listen to past episodes, to contact Ryan Ledden, and to learn more about how to pitch a perfect game in retirement. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Please consult with a qualified professional before taking any action. Securities and registered investment advisory services offered through Silver Oak Securities, Inc., member FINRA SIPC. Black Oak Asset Management and Silver Oak Securities, Inc. are not affiliated.